This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now this week, President Joe Biden has been in the Middle East, in Israel, and today he goes to see Mohammed bin Salman, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, who is effectively that country's leader and the man believed by American intelligence sources to be the person who ordered the terrible murder of Jamal Khashoggi, a Washington Post journalist, a Saudi exile. He was, it's not too dramatic to say, he was butchered. His body was sewn up, put in bags in the Saudi embassy in Istanbul. It's a truly shocking crime for which the world has not really forgiven, if you like, the Saudis, although there are many other reasons in every country that one sees shocking things. This seemed particularly appalling, and it has bled over into sport even. But Biden is going to see him, and he's been in Israel as well. The backdrop, of course, is new inflation figures in the United States, which show inflation at over 9%, and the continuing work of the January 6th committee, which is investigating the insurrection of 2021, January 6th. We're joined now from Washington by Niall Stanich, associate editor of The Hill, a respected newspaper, and White House columnist for that newspaper. We might just start with Biden's trip to the Middle East to see the Israelis and to see MBS, as he's called, you know, Republican or Democrat, attitudes to Israel don't change very much, do they? Uh, they don't really. Uh, I mean, it, clearly the United States body politic is significantly more pro-Israel than most European countries would be at this point. Now, there are some interesting sort of generational divides in that older Democrats, President Biden, Nancy Pelosi, uh, people like that, would have a very, very pro-Israel uh, stance, generally yes. speaking. Um, there are some younger, more left-wing Democrats who have a very different view of Israel, but they are in 
a pretty small minority, even within the Democratic Party. And uh, the Republican Party is traditionally uh, also, you know, favors uh, Israel, even though um, Jewish Americans predominantly vote for the Democratic Party. Now, this trip to see Mohammed bin Salman, the Saudi crown prince, will be controversial for some people. Mm-hmm. The purpose of that visit, has there been much commentary about it, given that Jamal Khashoggi was a Washington Post journalist and, incidentally, had never been particularly nasty to MBS? And was, was murdered, as you said in the introduction, in extraordinarily brutal circumstances, yes. a horrific event a, a few years back. It has uh, caused a lot of controversy, Eamon. I mean, the, the Saudi um, royal family's human rights record generally, of course, is pretty yes. terrible. But the Khashoggi murder was a particularly appalling example of that. So President Biden has encountered a fair amount of criticism for seeing MBS. He has said, in fact, he said at his press conference with the Israeli prime minister that uh, he would always bring up human rights, but he dodged the question of whether he would directly ask MBS about Khashoggi's murder. He said that people know what people know what he, Biden, thinks about that, that murder. The visit is being portrayed, I think, generally as an attempt to as Biden puts it, protect or advance America's interests, which is pretty thinly veiled code for trying to increase the supply of oil in order to bring down, we would say gas prices here, you would say petrol prices, um, because they are still at very, very elevated levels, even though they've come down a little bit from the high they had uh, a few weeks or a month ago. Yes, and the cost of living, as it is in Europe and everywhere that one looks, the cost of living crisis is real and hurting people badly. I saw some figures actually for America, eggs gone up 33%, which Mm. was remarkable in itself. Just to move on, there there was a strong, the strongest yet hint, more than a hint, perhaps from Donald Trump, that he was going to run in 2024. But before we get to that, the January 6th committee has held public hearings now, and they there have been four or five live television events where live testimony is taken or testimony recorded by the committee. The numbers have been big in terms of the public watching. They have, certainly. The, the first one was the only one that was held in prime time, and that attracted about 20 million viewers, which is obviously a very sizable number, even in a nation the size of the United States, particularly when media is so splintered. Um, it's been an interesting phenomenon, actually. The Fox News audience turns off in large numbers when the hearing comes on, whereas other cable news channels enjoy a very big boost in uh, viewership. When it, uh, when it starts. But it's certainly been significant and it has certainly dominated the political uh, landscape, I would say, for the past month, Yemen, over those number of hearings. And uh, we, we can certainly talk about anything specific you, you want to. Yes, well, one of the key players, I mean, the, the, what the committee is seeking to prove, and for many people effectively has proved, is that Donald Trump attempted to alter the result of the election, to have it rendered null and void, and the Electoral College votes sent back to the states. Whether this amounted to 
an attempted coup or not is, uh, is for the moment not our business. But there is certainly evidence being given to the committee, which we've seen, that is extremely damaging for Mr. Trump. And one of the key witnesses this week, we spoke about him last week, Pat Cipollone, is mm. a lawyer. He was a counsel to President Trump. He was present right up to the very end, almost, in the White House. And he had resisted the subpoena or the plea of the committee to give testimony until this week, when he did, in fact, give testimony. He had also said he wouldn't do it where it could be televised and publicized, and he did agree to that in the end. So he was a big, well-informed player. What did he say? One of the most important things that he said, Eamon, I think, was regarding honestly one of the most extreme schemes that other people who had surrounded Trump were pushing forward. There was an idea uh, by uh, a woman called Sidney Powell and, and other, frankly, rather fringy characters that the government should, could in some way after the election seize voting machines yes. for purportedly for inspection. But of course, had it happened, there would have been a very widespread suspicion that they were rigging them in some way. And Pat Cipollone related and commented upon a, a meeting where that came up and left no doubt at all that he thought it was literally a terrible idea were, were his words. But I think the point is that that episode or that little vignette fed into this broader idea of uh, Trump really knowing that he had lost the election, but choosing to at least purport to believe these very extreme, very fringy theories that were being put forward, theories that another White House lawyer, not Cipollone, described as nuts and, and described them as that during his testimony, a man by the name of Eric Hirschman. So it's all part of this picture where the committee is trying to prove, A, that Trump was not in any sense making some good faith protest about a contested election, B, that he was pressurizing officials, for example, at the state level to go along with what he knew was a fraudulent claim, and, and C, that it was a, to a large extent a sort of a, a knowing con of Trump supporters, whether that was a means of extracting money from them in fundraising or rallying them to his, uh, to his side. Now, Trump, of course, would and continues to argue that that's not the case, continues to propagate these fictions about election fraud and has not resiled at all from his earlier position. But the hearings have clearly hurt him to some extent, and I would emphasize some. Yes, because the idea that he won the last election and that the election was stolen from him mm. is believed by a majority and a significant majority of Republican voters, which delegitimizes the presidency of Joe Biden before it even, you know, before it, it began. Mm -hmm. And con as it continues to, it is a kind of cancer, isn't it? If tens of millions of Americans believe this crazed conspiracy theory, it does undermine the authority of a government. 
Oh, absolutely. Undermines the authority of the government, undermines the legitimacy of democracy. Of course, calls into question what would happen in the 2024 presidential election if the Democrat, be that President Biden or be that someone else, won that election. Would people accept the result? There was, I think, I mean, I, I... went down to the Capitol as as stuff erupted on January the 6th. And it was a horrific event, obviously, that goes without saying. There was a sense in the immediate aftermath that it was so horrific that it might have uh, lanced the boil of yes. these kind of claims and these kind of conspiracies. And what is now, unfortunately, very clear is that it didn't do anything of the kind, that a very large number of people continue to believe in those conspiracies and a very, very large number of people do not in fact uh, believe or have faith in or respect the authority of uh, American elections and American democracy. Yes, and I think some senior Republicans in the Senate felt that that day and what had happened would see the end of Donald Trump. Yes. I'm not wrong there, am I? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there was a, a brief push to sort of finish Mitch Trump McConnell off politically. people like that. Exactly. Mitch McConnell, I think, stated mm. that, that he's, he's finished now. Yeah, and certainly stated that he was morally responsible for what had happened. And McConnell, who's normally an ultra-cautious character, especially when it came to his own side, was briefly... Um, emphatic about what Trump had done and then realized, it seems, that the votes weren't really there to um, convict him on impeachment. He was impeached by the House, but was not convicted, was acquitted by the Senate, which McConnell realized what way the wind was blowing. Yes, I think the January 6th committee have done, insofar as one can see, a thorough job. They have evidence and the hearings will continue. However, Monmouth University have conducted an opinion poll. You sent it to me this week. It is unbelievable. Let's go through what this opinion poll has found after evidence that has been, well, it's been there since January 6, 2021, but it's certainly now understood. On the day, most people across partisan lines, as you point out, agreed that this had been a very bad and violent day. Now, with the passage of time, many Republicans are increasingly not sure. In fact, they don't believe it. I'll just give you some of the evidence that you sent to me. The poll shows a significant reduction in the percentage of Republicans who characterize January the 6th not just as an insurrection, but also as a riot. And it's not the first to point in that direction. So they're saying it's a legitimate protest or a riot, but it was not in any way an insurrection. They are. And one of the fascinating, though honestly fairly horrifying things about this poll is that the comparisons are between a poll that was conducted last month and a poll that was conducted in June 2021. So this was an instance where the point of comparison is an earlier stage at which people had had time to think about what had happened, maybe the initial shock had passed. And there has been a significant change, at least among Republican voters since then. I mean, you raised the point about, could it be described as an insurrection, which is one of the questions in this poll. 
Now, a year ago, uh, there was an already troublingly low, in my view, 33% of Republican voters who saw it that way. That figure is now 13%, which is staggering, astonishing. Um, Was it a legitimate protest? Well, even a year ago, 47% of Republicans thought that it was. Now that figure stands at 61%. So almost two-thirds of Republican voters think that an attempt to storm the Capitol to thwart the outcome of a legitimate election to, to hang the vice president, to hang the vice president, to destroy the tradition of a peaceful transfer of power—that that was a legitimate protest. I mean, it is um, quite mind-blowing poll. Yes, really. And there's another stat there from that poll: sixty-two percent of Republicans in 2021 mm. called it a riot. Mm. Now, only 45 percent of Republicans think it was even a riot. Right. This is extraordinary stuff, but it, it it's very, very grave for the future of democracy in America, isn't it? No, there's no question about it, I think. I are, mean, are people discussing it in a concerned way because there are still, you know, many decent mm-hmm. people in politics, around politics, and doing political commentary? Mm. Are these concerns that are reflected in our conversation about the future of American democracy shared by what would you might call credible people? They are shared by credible people. They are certainly a focus of political commentary. They are certainly shared by people of a more centrist and liberal disposition. A couple of things I would say about that, Eamon, they are shared particularly because in a number of Republican primaries, there, particularly at the at the low kind of state level, there are a number of people running who endorse the uh, claims of Donald Trump that the election was fixed, and uh, the twenty twenty election, and that creates all sorts of concern about future elections. Obviously, one of the big fears here right now is that the people who will end up conducting elections will themselves not really be small d Democrats, but will be people who entertain all sorts of wild theories, which is obviously a very sinister uh, prospect in itself. The other thing I would say, Eamon, that's a part of this conversation is part of the reason that there is, I think, dissatisfaction with President Biden on the part of Democratic voters is that they're not persuaded that he himself completely grasps the gravity of this situation. And we see that on a number of levels. And obviously, you and I have spoken before about the fact that he seems oftentimes to lack vigor and to be rather... uh, accommodationist, which in more amicable times would be no bad thing, but it leaves some uh, largely Democrats, Democratic Party uh, activists concerned about whether he really is uh, meeting the moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, Niall, before we leave the committee, Steve Bannon, mm. who is an associate of Donald Trump and has been for a very long time. It's a bit of a tempestuous relationship, but mm-hmm. Bannon is, if you like, an ideological guru for this right-wing populist movement. He has entered negotiations, I understand, with the January 6th committee about testifying, and he would be a key figure because he was in Washington and he was active on the day. He would certainly be a key figure, and you're quite right in what you say, that he has entered into negotiations. Now, there's a separate question as to whether those are good faith negotiations or not, (laughs) because Mr. Bannon faces charges pertaining to his refusal to comply with an earlier subpoena from the committee. Now, the question, a judge has ruled, or it would appear, let me put it that way, it would appear that his negotiations to testify won't get him off the hook of the charges so far, although they could certainly dull their impact. But the bigger picture here, Yemen, I think, is uh, Donald Trump and people around him have been very uh, outraged about the fact that the January 6th committee has been able to present its narrative without any competing narrative from their side. Now, that is their own fault, in a sense. Republicans pulled their cooperation from the committee very early on. But Bannon is negotiating and explicitly says he would like to testify publicly. On one hand, you could say, well, that's that's fine. Then they can ask him all yeah. the difficult questions. The suspicion is that Bannon wants to create a kind of uh, pantomime, yes. really, that yes. would be a distraction. And the, the committee has said, the latest is the committee has said they won't allow him to testify before he produces documents that they want. And to my knowledge, Bannon hasn't agreed to produce those documents. So it's a little bit of an impasse at the moment. Right. Just before we move on to the Donald and his plans, mm. a story emerged last night of Secret Service operatives 
erasing texts that they knew Inspector General was requesting. These were texts on the day of that insurrection. That seems like a very serious matter indeed, because they're required, are they not, to do the very opposite. Yes, and I mean, it, you know, it gets into very, very grave areas. I mean, obviously, if you are asked by any official body to preserve records and you're the United States Secret Service, it is expected that you would comply. The erasure of these messages is a very big story. It is a story that we don't know uh, an enormous amount of detail about. The first place I saw it reported, uh, I think I'm correct in crediting CNN as the, as yeah, the place that... Yeah, last night I was watching yeah. the same time as you. Yeah, they, they broke the story. Now, there is a question then about why, obviously, why they destroyed the records if they, if they did so. There has been uh, a whole... Uh, contretemps about this already because Democrats yes. are annoyed. There is, we should say, also, I mean, there's been a long time been questions about the Secret Service, some of which have been raised from the right as to whether there were, well, as, as to whether they're exactly telling the truth about precisely what happened and whether there could have been any people working for the federal government involved in January the 6th and all of that. Yeah. Some of it's kind of wild conspiracy stuff, but it this kind of feeds into that as well as democratic suspicions, you know. Right. Now, the Donald gave an interview this week, and uh, I read it. It was entertaining mm. <laughs> terrifying. <Of course. laughs> but he did say that he'd made his mind up and after quite a lot of coaxing, mm. he tacitly admitted that he was going to run. Or maybe, am I putting that too strong? Uh, only very slightly, if you're putting it very uh, too strong. I mean, he just, he used the phrase, I've already made that decision. And he yes. seemed to indicate that the only question really in his mind was whether to declare before or after the midterm elections in November. He yes. stepped right up to the line of declaring a candidacy, absolutely. And just if you look at it from your perspective, Niall, <laughs> against Joe Biden, it would be tight I, in, in one mm -hmm. series of polls I saw, but he would win. Well, it would be tight, certainly. I mean, he would be competitive at the very least. I've seen some polls that give Biden a small advantage. You may have seen some polls that give Trump a small advantage. It yeah. would be a 50-50 shot, essentially. And that obviously is a very striking hypothetical outcome. We should say that there are some people in the Republican Party who think that other candidates would be stronger than Trump. But whether other candidates can win a Republican primary against him is a very, very different question, even though there is some indication of, for example, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, making advances. Trump still beats him by a healthy margin in most polls of Republican voters. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, many people now, and I just end on this uh, happy thought for the weekend, <laughs> many people worry that given the mood of, of America, given the mood of Republicans, given the existence of these Proud Boys and, and the likes, that if you got someone who, to coin a phrase, had their shit together mm -hmm. 
and wasn't a freaky like the Donald. Mm. Someone who was really like DeSantis, perhaps, or somebody of that ilk, like Bannon. Mm. Then we'd be looking at serious possibilities of the United States leaving, shall we say, the West and its values way behind and moving somewhere else. Yeah, I think there is a a danger of that. I mean, we see that in, for example, the elevation of Viktor Orban of Hungary among the American right and and not not the ultra-fringy Proud Boys American right. I mean, actual, you know, recognized conservatives and conservative media figures and conservative politicians. And to your other point about uh, the likes of a DeSantis, yes, that has always been one of the major liberal fears and and populist wishes, that you would get someone into power like a DeSantis or other Trumpian figures without the Trumpian chaos and self-destruction, and somebody who's actually competent in moving the levers of power, which Trump, by any reasonable assessment, really wasn't for the most part. That has always been the prospect that I think is the most uh, alarming to liberals in this country, even though, as I say, it's a a very uh, welcome idea for people who are big Ron DeSantis fans. Yeah, okay. Well, I just want to assure you on behalf of ourselves and our stand listeners, there'll always be a home for you here. (laughs) (laughs) If you have to run. We're very grateful to Niall Stanich, Associate Editor of The Hill, a very respected newspaper, for not being madly partisan, and of course the White House columnist for that paper as well. Grateful to Dial, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.